Welcome to the Minimalist CEO Podcast with Nate Lindquist. Nate created the Minimalist CEO Method to help business owners redefine and grow their businesses by finding new demand in places they never thought to look where there's no competition. By following his opposite thinking strategy, Nate's coaching clients have grown their business up to 40% in just two months and created tens of millions of dollars in revenue. Nate himself has launched more than 140 businesses. On the show, Nate interviews successful business owners and experts who share the secrets you can use to have a better business and a better life. Hey everyone, this is Nate Lindquist with the Minimalist CEO Podcast, and I am excited to have you back, excited to be here. We have a special guest today. Every one of our guests is special, um, but today what's what's really special about it is that we're meeting a guy who's built a plumbing company. He's been in business for uh, over 20 years at this point, and uh, he's done it his own way. He's come up with a really unique brand, and I'm going to let him tell you his story. So welcome to Kenny Schwamm. Am I saying your name right, Kenny Schwamm? Yep, absolutely. You nailed it. First shot. Boom. You know, normally I'd ask ahead of time, but thanks for being on the show, Kenny. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, and uh, I'm happy to be here. And if you want, you want me to just, you know, get started, you know, tell them a quick story. You know, get into yeah, it. Yeah, like get, let's get into the thick of it. I think you know, just knowing who's on here, Kenny, let's yeah. dive in and just whatever it is you want to share about how you get started in the business and what brought you here would be perfect. Absolutely. So I've actually I've been in business for my own for about 13 years since 2007, but I've been in the plumbing business for over um, 20 years. I started in a family business in which my brother, who was the oldest um, out of the siblings, had his own business, was starting his own business when he was about 30. So that made me at the time 12 years old. I, for some reason, decided to ask my mother if she could ask my brother if I could work um, with him on the weekends because I wanted to make extra money. That's what was going through my head at 12 years old. And she did. And my brother took me up on that. Um, my brother, you know, being a, um, you know, a Marine when he was younger, you know, he, he, he took that pretty seriously and he kind of implemented some of those things on me. You know, I had to on the weekends, I had to be outside sitting on my stoop waiting for him at, at five o'clock in the morning to get ready in, in the truck when he came and picked me up. And I worked with him um, every weekend, you know, every vacation, every summer vacation, all the way up through high school. Uh, even when I went to college, I continued to work, uh, you know, weekends when I could. Spring breaks, you know, all my friends went away. I went and worked with them. Um, in the business, same thing on summer vacations, continued that. I had graduated college, which I had gone to college for um, criminal justice, graduated master's degree in criminal justice. I had planned to go to law school to possibly become an attorney. But after I got out of college, decided to take a year off, dive into the business with my brother, just continue working in the field. And that was it. I just stayed with that. You know, one thing leads to another. You start making some full-time money. You buy a house and that's what I did at 22 years old. And, you know, you get bills and you just keep working. And I just, I just followed, I just kept with it. You know, I worked my way all the way up, um, working in the field, different positions in the company from service technician, you know, working on, on plumbing rough crews, working my way up to a foreman, working my way up to a manager to basically where I, I became my brother's right-hand man in the, in the business, ultimately till about when I was 27 at which point I decided to to leave the business and go out on my own and start my own business, which I did. Primarily, I named that company Metro National Plumbing. And we started doing a lot of new construction work, residential and commercial. I ventured off, you know, I'm here on Long Island in New York. I ventured off into New York City. I started doing some work in New York City, which I had no experience doing work in New York City, but 
you know, I kind of was just going wherever the work was. And that was around 2007, 2008, the housing market crashed. All my new construction work dried up. I really didn't have, you know, much going on. And uh, I kind of kicked around for a couple of years trying to figure it out. You know, it's, it's one thing you learn in a family business, how to do the front end stuff. And, you know, you, in my case, I left before I really had a good handle on the, on the back end stuff, you know, the, the nuts and bolts of actually running a business. So I really struggled in those beginning years on my own with that. Um, at which time I ended up linking up with a mechanical company that wanted to bring me on as their plumbing division of their company. And I, I jumped on that opportunity and uh, I, I actually worked very closely with them for about five years. And then um, I was able to really build up the construction side of the business, working with them until about 2015, at which time I decided to rebrand the company to the name that it is today, which is Order a Plumber and orderaplumber.com, which is a name that I had thought up back in like 2008, nine, but really never did anything with. So I rebranded the company in 2015 to Order a Plumber. And I started to really focus on home service service and repair work, you know, fixing toilets, sinks, faucets, you know, drain lines, camera work, clearing drains, just the everyday stuff that homeowners need and businesses. And we started a service division. I got a truck. I wrapped it nice, hired a, a service guy, and we started focusing on that. And since then, we've continued to do new construction and stayed with that. But we've we've aggressively grown our service and repair division to the point where we are today, uh, you know, where we have about we have seven service trucks on the road, just in the service division, and just doing service repair work seven days a week. And that brings us to today where we're still going. We're still trying to grow the business, trying to grow the company. And here we are today is orderaplumber.com. Order a plumber. Yep. So I want to just jump back because that's a, you've been on quite a journey. And I think working in a business, first of all, the, the energy that you had at 12 years old and the focus, I know it, if I look back, Sure, I had you know business that I was doing at that point, but I also would find ways to just not be doing it. Like, hey, I want to go to the lake. I want to go, you know, go do some water skiing for the weekend. I want to go away snow skiing. There's always something going on, and I think it sounds to me like you found excuses to do the plumbing work. Yeah, absolutely. You know, at first it's exciting, especially at that age when like you know none of your friends are really working or doing anything except hanging out. So you know when you're at twelve you know, going on these job sites and, and being on construction sites around all the trades and, and learning the trade. It's kind of exciting, you know, for a 12 year old, you know, there was limited, you know, I was limited to what I could do on the job. It was really, you know, carrying stuff, a lot of watching, which does get, does get boring for a 12 year old standing around, you know, watching, you know, there's certain tools they don't want to let you use. They don't want to, they don't want you to get hurt. And listen, I'm not going to lie. There were times where I was just, you know, my, my eyes glassed over and I was like, what am I doing here? Falling asleep. But, you know, that being said, I got to give credit to my brother. Like he kept me engaged. And, you know, even on when I would find myself getting lazy and trying to take off a day on a weekend, you know, he, like I said, he would just, he wouldn't allow it. You know, he wanted me there working with him. And he always had told me and instilled in me, like, you got to learn a trade. If you learn a trade, you'll never not have work. And um, even to this day, like, you know, it's certain things that go on throughout your life where people tell you things and you don't really realize what they're telling you at the time until later down the road. And yeah. you look back and, and, you know, I look at that and I, I've never not worked, even when the work has been slow. I've always, you know, being a plumber, learning to trade, knowing to trade, knowing how to fix, you know, plumbing, how to, how to install plumbing. I've always worked. I've always had work. He was right. So I hope that answers your question about, you know, how I got the energy. I did. I just had it. 
And even when I didn't, I really wasn't allowed to not have it. I had to just yeah. you know, keep doing it. Well, that's a good influence. And I, one thing I'd be curious again to ask is, and I, you know, having, I, I've worked with at this point, thousands of business owners who made a switch. So they were doing one thing and then they had to start something else up and it doesn't always go well. So, right. you know, you know, in minimalist CEO and the minimal CEO method, we've created a process of specific process. I would love to know, what did you go through? How did you make the leap to opening your own plumbing company and having enough work to sustain yourself and then grow it so that you could get to the point where you are right now? Well, I guess, you know, making the leap, it wasn't, I will say it wasn't planned when I, when I had left my brother's company, it, it wasn't planned. We actually kind of had, we had an argument and it was really, you know, we got in a big argument and it was one of those things between brothers where it was like, you know, I don't need you. I don't need you. You know, you're yelling at each other and you kind of just go your separate ways. And, you know, a day goes by, another day goes by, you think like you're going to reconcile or somebody's going to pick up the phone. And it's not happening. And, you know, that was that was my case where we we unfortunately we'd gotten an argument. And at the time, it was, it was 2007. I was engaged. I was actually getting married uh, about a month and a half later. And I really didn't have any other choice. I had to go get a job. And I just said, you know what, let me go get a job. I'll go get I'll go find work for a month in which I did. I found I found you know, I made some phone calls. I found a job. And in over that month, I just said, you know what, I'm going to buy a van. How hard could this possibly be? I'm going to buy a van and I'm just going to start, you know, doing my own plumbing business. And that's exactly what I did. That was, that was my thing. I just went and came home from my honeymoon, went and bought a van, got some basic tools, you know, put the word out on the street and, you know, started you, doing some plumbing. How did you put the word out on the street? Like, how did you, how, so, I mean, you got to go get some clients. You got to put money in the bank. You're getting yeah. married. You, you just got married. What do you, what did you do? to start having enough income so that you could sustain your new venture, your new family. It's all a big venture. I wish I wish I could say there was a big game plan, but it was pretty scrappy at the beginning because there was no plan behind it. Uh, I went and bought a van, you know, at that point, you know, I, I um, you know, I, I think I bought it with no money down, you know, just rolled all the payments in, signed away at the dealership. I, I walked out of there with a van. I, I went and I had tools, you know, so I put tools on. I got some more. And listen, everybody up until then, because I was doing plumbing from such a young age, they knew that I did plumbing. And once all my friends and um, you know people that I was close with, they they knew that I was no longer working my brother, and I needed work, so to speak, to stay busy. They really word of mouth, you know, through friends and family, kind of, you know, Kenny's looking for work. He's in his own business. He left his brother, and that's kind of what happened to get me going. And at first, you go out, you do a job. It's kind of like. Whatever you have saved in your personal bank account, that was that was how I did it. You know, I used. So how much did money. you have saved when you made the leap? Nothing. I would say it was less than five thousand dollars. It really was less than five thousand dollars. Like I look back on it now, and I'm like, I don't even know how I made it. I hit every bump possible in the road. I don't even know how I made it. It was just thank God that I was doing jobs and I was getting paid, and you know everything kind of went as planned for those first twelve months. And it was you know I would do a job, I'd give a bill, I'd get paid replenish the money in the bank account. And I wasn't making a lot of money, but I was just making enough to get by at that point. Um, I did have people that I'd worked for through my brother call me, you know, and say, Hey, you want to do this job? You want to do that job? But I was, I was very strict and very clear in the fact that I would not take any um, clientele that was previous clientele of of my brother. That's good. Um, I just wouldn't do it. You know, it was just kind of out of principle. And um, I'm glad I did it that way. But yeah, I would say the first year, it was kind of a struggle and you just go, you don't have, a, I, like I said, I, I really started with nothing, but um, 
you know, 2008, 2009, as I started to do bigger jobs and you start to rely in the beginning, you rely on if when you don't have financial backing, you know, you're relying a lot on credit, you know, to start a business, you're relying on credit of supply houses, credit cards, credit of, like I said, a dealership to give me a vehicle and you start to get going. And in 2008, 2009, that kind of got rough because I started to do bigger jobs where the money wasn't as quick. It wasn't fix my toilet. I hand you the money right when I'm done. It was like, you know, you got to, you install, you know, you rough a job, you got to send in a requisition, you're waiting for your money and money was slow then, you know, just the housing market had crashed. Everybody was struggling. The work wasn't there. And um, that's really what pushed me to into the opportunity that presented, take the opportunity that presented itself to where I was able to link up with this larger mechanical company that wanted to bring me under and, and help them as their plumbing division while at the same time helping grow my business. And looking back on it, thank God that opportunity came because that really kind of pushed me forward. So you, you found a company to partner with as a catapult and they helped you expand, they give you more financial resources, you had a more steady flow of new business leads. Right. The biggest thing was the business leads. Any job they were working on, it was automatically, they wanted to get the plumbing as well. Uh, I didn't have to look for work anymore. There was a steady stream of work coming in, jobs to bid. And like I said, there was now there was financial backing. So as far as capital outlay for weekly payroll, new tools, material, that stuff was there and um, started to- There through the projects you know, or was it there through, they helped, you came up with kind they, of- budget. Yeah, no, they, we, we, they had- um, we basically, they had allotted a certain amount of money to kind of get the plumbing off the ground is what they did. And, uh, it, you know, not a lot, but just enough to, you know, cover payroll, say for a quarter and, you know, a projected material spend. And once we got rolling with some of the projects, again, we're working for people that they already had relationships with. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a lot different from going out and finding somebody new when you don't have a relationship and, you know, maybe, maybe you're working for somebody that's not that financially sound. We knew that these people financially sound. They were relationships that they had. This company had been in business 40 years. And, and they we knew the people that we were getting involved with on these plumbing projects. So that's kind of how it got rolling. And we operated like that, you know, um, for you know, till about 2015 and slowly built it up. Like I went over there, it was me and another guy. It was me and one other guy. And in 2015, when we, you know, split, it was, I think probably about up to about 10 plumbers at that point. So, you know, that worked out pretty well. And now you're at about 30. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. And we fluctuate because we have a steady 30 across the board. If we do pick up, because we do still do a lot of new construction, uh, we do a lot of multifamily stuff. So we could be, you know, we usually have at least one or two large scale projects a year, um, you know, which could be, you know, apartment complexes, uh, you know, dormitory, something of that nature. And if we have to man up, we could be 50, 60 plumbers in the field. Okay. And they that's contractors. Correct. Yeah. You did something strategically that I think is important to bring out here is that you're struggling to get things going. You start to get a little bit of momentum, but then you get this huge push from finding an affiliate who already has a flow of business, has tons of authority, tons of credibility, great relationships. And when they say, hey, and, and now we're going to do the plumbing, the answer was you as if you were part of their company, correct? That's correct. So there's a, it sounds to me like this affiliating strategy was just a, a huge boost for your business and really put you on the map. Absolutely. And I mean, even to this day, like I still maintain a very close relationship with them, do a lot of business with them. And I, I would say as far as like affiliate 
you know, an affiliate strategy, affiliate marketing, and, and working with complementary companies is, I would say, I feel is one of the best marketing strategies, uh, yeah. probably across all aspects of business. I, I, I personally believe that. Yeah, no, I've, we've, we've seen it work really, really well. We have a program called the Partner Effect Inside Minimalist mm-hmm. CEO. And uh, one of the things that I think is, is uh, a problem that, and you've probably seen it and talked to other people in business as well, is that a lot of people are looking for net new business. They want to get new leads. They want to see new clients, but they're not, you know, if they could just keep and maintain and nurture the relationships they have and then build partners, then whenever those partners feel that, that bond, that connection, that affiliation, and that builds loyalty and consistency where they feel like referring you is something really good for their client, that business just starts to flow. And suddenly you look back and I can look back at some relationships that I've had where it's like, wow, you know, this person sent me several million dollars worth of business over the years. And we have this relationship. Why don't more businesses, business owners look at, hey, who's a, who's a complimentary? Who's a parallel industry? Where is, who has my customers who doesn't compete with me? Who right. has my customers? And then also, how can I appreciate the business that I have, appreciate the relationships that I have? And, you know, I can tell from the way you're sharing that you're really a relationship guy and you have the integrity in the way that you built the business. I would like to know outside of the affiliate strategy, what are some of the, you know, if you could give some gold nuggets, maybe look at like the top two or three things that you look at the way you've built your business to say, you you know, maybe not even just with lead development, but this just really helped you break the business free so that you felt like the business was thriving. And so you got past that survival mode into stability. And I would, I would argue now you're probably in that, um, that success position right now. Like what are just two or three nuggets? Like you got to stop this. You got to start this. This is more important than I thought. What would that be for you? Yeah. It's hard. You know, I don't know if I could come up with two or three of them, but I'll say in business, you're learning every day. And like I said earlier, I've hit, you know, I feel like I hit every bump in the road and I still continue to. And it's just because I would say you got to consistently try new things and like be going, trying to try new things, go in different directions, see what works. And when you find something that works, you know, you got to focus on it. It's almost like there's, there's two things in particular. One is I would say complimentary affiliate marketing, but also not to be afraid of your competitors as well. Like it, contracting in general can be a very cutthroat industry where, you know, everybody's undercutting one another and, you know, you, you're, you're, you know, aggressive towards your competitor, or sometimes you fear your competitor. But like, I've always taken strategy. Where like, I'm in competition constantly with my competitors. I don't fear them. I'm not looking to hurt them. I try. I have other smaller plumbing companies that I actually work with. Like, if we have too much work, uh, you know, I'm. I will. I'll subcontract to them. You know, I'll do a joint venture with them. A large part of our growth actually came within the last couple of years because we were doing business with other plumbing companies and then friendly business, you know, picking up some of their overflow in certain territories. Maybe we would refer them some calls that we couldn't get to, you know, it was just a friendly relationship. So we were kind of making sure both of our customers were getting satisfied if we didn't have the resources to satisfy them at the time, you know, and, you know, just in the last couple of years, you know, going just through the whole last 12 months of COVID, like we had one or two of those companies that we had a good relationship with that we were working with that were our competitors that just said, listen, we're done. We're not coming out of this. This is a time, you know, one guy's like time for me to retire. You know, another company just said, listen, we're switching directions. We're not, you know, we're getting out of the, the service plumbing stuff. We're going in a different direction. 
And we were there to pick up all their business. It would, they just, you know, we were able to work out deals to whether we, we purchased the customers off them or they, you know, the, the book of business off them, or they just continued to just, you know, direct the, the calls to us and we pay them on, you know, revenue generated. But that would be a big thing is like, don't be afraid of your competitors. Don't be afraid to reach out to them. Don't be afraid to walk up to them at networking events and introduce yourself and, you know, could try to find common ground and see if there are ways for you to uh, maybe work together because there, especially times like we've had over the last couple of years where there's enough business to go around. It's, you know, you can either fight over it or you can work together and, and just, you know, and, and handle all of it at the same time. So that that's, um, that's really one golden, golden nugget and, you know, the affiliate marketing and then just, you know, trying new things and finding niches in your business. That's what we do. Try not to be everything to everybody, like especially when you first get your truck and you go into a business for yourself, you know, anybody calls you, even if it's something you're not really sure if you could do, you're like, yeah, I'll figure it out because you have to. And you start thinking you're going to do everything. Like we've gotten to the point with where every year that goes by, we focus more and more on our service and repair division and then drilling down on that in our service and repair division. We focus more and more on, as an example, just, you know, just replacing hot water heaters just replacing toilets instead of trying to rebuild toilets. You know, we focus on just replacing them and almost like find a niche, like find the stuff that you do really well and that you make good margins on and put a lot of time and energy into focusing on that and trying to grow revenue through what you do really, really well. Yeah, that's great advice. I think that when you specialize, it it just changes the game. I mean, I don't know how many people you have in your team, but you know, I've got a pretty decent sized team, but I rely really heavily on knowing that everyone's shooting for the same target. And even with all the opportunities that you see every day in good times and bad, when you can be specialized, you're the one who gets the call. So obviously you've learned that. I'd also be curious to know, actually, I want to underline one thing that you said too, is this idea of reaching out to your partners. I think that uh, there's a give and take there. So if you, you know, I find the more you can give, you know, I know people who are exceptional at certain aspects of coaching and mentoring, especially when it comes to, you know, places where I know they could really take someone to the moon. You know, I can do it, but I love being able to say, listen, I'm going to let me put you, not only can this person guide you through, for instance, setting up a great lead development system, but I'm going to make sure that you're ready for this person, that they're ready for you. And they're going to be able to set your systems up and they have someone who can handle the tech. And my clients will say to me, you're just going to hand me someone from your Rolodex. But you know what happens is they send people back to me all the time. Like, listen, I'm not really sure about organizational strategy. How do we get someone? Someone's having trouble scaling. I think they're building the wrong business. You know, they're doing right. okay, but they're not happy. They're frustrated. They're, you know, they're going the wrong direction. Anyways, we, we, we pay attention. And I think it's interesting when you get to know a competitor, you find out almost everyone you think is doing what you're doing is doing something very different. And I don't know if you've noticed that, but like they'll have a certain area that they're specialized in and maybe they don't realize it, but they, they're really good at something that'd be better if they're doing that part of the business. And if you can say, listen, this person does this really well, it's that miracle on 34th street moment where you're recommending someone when someone least expects it, you know, instead of helping them to decide and persuading them to work with you, you're helping them to decide to get what's best for them, which I think has always been good for business. That I've well, I uh, yeah, I agree with you 100%. It's kind of like a saying that like I was told when um, by a pastor actually had told me this when my wife and I were going for the classes before you get married. 
I remember her, her pa- pastor had said to me, he had said a saying that stuck with me my whole life. He said, in marriage, you have to give everything and expect nothing in return. And if both of you do that, you'll have a wonderful marriage. And he said that to me and it kind of really stuck with me. And I like, I feel like I try to implement that in business as well. Like, like, don't be afraid. Like I said, of your competitors, like I give everything. When you give everything, expect nothing in return, it's going to come back to you. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, if you give everything and nothing comes back to you, say from a source, a competitor or somebody you're trying to maybe develop a business relationship with you. I mean, you can't be afraid of that. You know, you just can't be afraid right. of that. You, you just, you just got to do that and you just move on. But I've sat down with my competitors before and I've been sitting there and they've been like, oh, you, you like, you know, doing that, man, we hate doing that. We'll, we're more than happy to refer that work to you and vice versa <laughs> where I'm like, oh, you guys, are, you guys have a strong you know, division doing that. I'm like, oh, that's like one of our, you know, we're terrible at that. And I, you know, it takes up a lot of our time to run those calls because we don't want to tell customers we don't. I'd rather refer to you, let you take, get strong at that, let you use your resources on that. And then, you know, you refer me back what I'm good at. So there's, there's always, you know, those type of opportunities that possibly can come out of conversations like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's brilliant. It seems like you've done well for yourself. Your business is doing, uh, my notes say that you're doing over a million dollars a year. I don't know how big, how big is your company now? Yeah, right now in 2019, we did over 6 million and uh, last year, you know, with COVID, which here in New York, we lost about a full quarter, even though we still stayed operational on the service to repair our construction divisions were closed for an entire quarter. Um, you know, we still did just about, I think around 5.2 last year. So That's not amazing. terrible, you know, for, for being closed for a quarter, you know, we really made the best out of it. I was actually surprised, you know, coming through the end of the year, rolling through the fourth quarter, you know, monitoring the numbers because I, I was curious when we things started to open back up, but we really started to ramp back up, like where we were going to end up and how much revenue we were going to be able to actually go back out and recapture because jobs started up and deadlines were still kind of there. We were still trying to push to get things done. So I wanted to see, it's like a, you know, a race where you're like at the end, you're trying to make up the last quarter mile and you're running as fast as you can. That's what, that's what, that's what 2020 felt like to me. You know? Yeah. And here you are now, you're still growing now and driving business and so if you could, just for our listeners, I think one thing that's helpful is some of the challenges that they face. Um, you know, if I were to go down the short list, maybe you can cherry pick one and say how you overcame it. So I know there's a tendency to picture a glass ceiling. It's like, mm-hmm. I can never get past this revenue point. A lot of times I see the threshold is getting past a million or one to 1.2 is, is difficult. I see a lot of companies getting stuck at the eight, $900,000 level and then getting to the $5 million level. I feel like it starts to free things up. So you have a chance to grow from there. I call it that the 5 million and beyond effect. So um, that's one piece. Uh, Another is uh, constantly being pulled away and not having time for family, being there for kids events and, you know, being present for life, giving yourself the self-care time, being able to take care of yourself. So um, any of those things that you've been able to navigate in a way that you think would be helpful for other business owners? Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll touch on both of them as quick as I can. I would say as far as revenue targets, it's just that you you have to set targets. And I agree. It's like, you know, hitting that first million is like looking back, you're like, oh, you know, some people will say, oh, it was kind of easy because it went quick and you passed that already. But, you know, you just got that. You kind of, you got to just grind it out. You got to grind that revenue out. You just got to do whatever you got to do to get there. But you got to, you really got to break it down 
early on, especially when you're first new in business and you maybe don't on you don't have a good handle on on the numbers, like you just got to look at like break it down to like how much am I doing out of a truck by myself in a week now, you know, times it by, you know, 52 weeks and say, okay, well, that's, that's what I'm doing now. That's where I'm at. What do I got to do to get, you know, another $250,000 out of it for the year? How much more do I have to do a week? How much more do I have to do uh, a day? And how much more do I have to charge an hour? Like break it down that granular. So you could kind of like, and have daily and weekly targets at the beginning, very easy for you to try to hit and very easy for you to see small goals and work your way up. And before you know it, you'll be over a million, over 1.5. And then to continue to go and continue to grow up your revenue, you have to just, you have to take that money and you have to reinvest and you have to take chances. You have to take chances on personnel, people um, trying to set up infrastructure and buying more trucks. If you're in a business that requires it, you know, renting more office space, you have to continually invest in your business to really get it to go. And that will lead you into the point where making time for yourself, which ultimately you have to do. Even when you start your business, you're going to be working crazy hours. Everybody does it. We've all done it. And I still do it when it needs to be done. But you do have to make time to decompress, let go, even if that's only a couple hours a week, whether you want to exercise. I always recommend exercise. You know, I like to run on the treadmill, kind of helps me get the stress out. Um, But the more as the business grows, if you don't invest in that infrastructure, the office personnel, the people to delegate to, you know, using like the, the 80-20 rule, you know, somebody can do it 80% as good as you do, you know, you let them keep going with it. Don't take it back from them because you have to get it. The bigger the business goes, if you continue to try to do everything yourself, you're going to self-implode. Yeah. That, you hit on a lot of different factors. So making time for exercise having the infrastructure, being willing to hire the personnel and delegate. You know, I put that under the category of production capability. If you don't know what your production capability needs to be to deliver in one job, and you can't describe the process that it takes to deliver that job, Edward Deming said, then you don't know what you're doing. And you certainly don't want to take that little iota, that one day, one delivery, one project with one team and multiply it. And then on top of that, you know, multiply the stress and the patterns of business that can create chaos and have a hundred things going on and not take care of yourself because that's, that's crazy. So sounds like you figured that out. You look like a healthy guy. Well, I, now I do. Listen, I go through phases, you know, where I'm really into it. Like we're very busy and, you know, when you're busy, you gotta, you gotta be focused on, on work, but ultimately, you know, you do have to make time for yourself and your family and, make sure that you're taking care of yourself physically. And from a mental standpoint, I forgot, I was just going to say something. I was thinking, I forgot what I was going to say, but if if it comes back to me, I'll jump back into it. You know, know what we'll do? You have that thought come back. We'll jump on, we'll do a Facebook live together and we'll talk again and make sure that we have a chance to share. Oh, I got it. I got it. So that's what I was going to- We can still do that. Yeah. What I was going to say is in my business, certain things that I take on during the day, whether it be, you know, from the beginning, from when I started at any given point, uh, whatever I'm doing a lot of, let's say I was doing a lot of estimating for a year. I was the number one estimator. You know, I was doing all the takeoffs for all the jobs all the time. And after a while, you just get tired of doing a certain thing over and over again. It becomes monotonous. And I found in my business after a while, if I started to get tired of doing it, where it wasn't fun and I kind of like mastered it, but it was getting monotonous and it wasn't fun to me anymore. I just went out and hired somebody to do it and I trained them to do it. And then once that was off my plate, I kind of looked, turned my direction and targeted something else in the business that needed attention. And then I focused on that. 
That's smart. Yeah. That's super helpful. So this is really helpful. And I think what you're sharing is very timely. I think for a lot of businesses right now, choosing not only to, to change direction, but to say, how can I have even more success? How can I get even more clarity by focusing on what matters? And you know, you talk about a great system for delegation is, listen, go in, you want to master it, master it. But once you have it, document it, train someone to do it, hand it off, and then measure how they're doing. That's a great insight. Obviously, it's worked well for you. Okay, so you have a chance. And again, I say this, I borrow this from Tim Ferriss. I'm a fan of his. And I love when he says, hey, you get a billboard, you can put anything on it. It doesn't even have to be business related, but the world can see it. What would you share on a billboard? What would I share on a billboard? $25 off all plumbing repairs. I'm just joking. (laughs) Um, I would say, um, I would go back to what I had said earlier is uh, give everything and expect nothing in return. That's kind of the way you know, that's kind of like my mantra that that I use when I network, I use as I'm building relationships and I use it every day in my business as well as in my personal life. And it's so far hasn't let me down. No, that's great advice too. I love that. Maybe we'll get the billboard. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, Kenny, again, thanks for being on the Minimal CEO podcast. This has been a great you know interview. And I think that you covered a lot of really good topics. You know, I love the I love the model of business that you built and the way you got to building it. You know, the idea that you can just go and order a plumber, you know, probably language that people used along a lot. And I think people try to wordsmith and be clever and you just say, hey, let's just take the words that they say. I think it's brilliant. And I appreciate you being on the podcast very much. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time and I'm happy to have been here. Definitely. Absolutely. Okay, everyone. Thanks again for listening to another great episode of the Minimalist CEO podcast. Again, this is Nate Lindquist. And we just had a great interview with uh, with our guest, Kenny Schwamm. And this, this the insights, not only just from the plumbing business, but for a service business in general are very valuable. So make sure you keep this handy so you can refer back to it. You know, look what, what inspires you. What distinctions did you get? What action are you going to take because you've heard this? Take a moment to, just, to uh, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already and spread the word because we have a lot of one-on-one and uh, interviews coming up and also some uh, individual focus trainings that I'm I'm going to be providing for the podcast as well. So thanks for being here. And uh, we will definitely be back again soon. I look forward to seeing you in the next episode.